So there's been a growing trend over the last couple of years for big brands, particularly on social media, to do what a lot of people are referring to as de-branding or a kind of humanizing of their personality or their persona on the web. We're going to talk about this. Plus, Walmart recently came out with something called Unlimited or Delivery Unlimited in order to compete with Amazon. We're going to talk about this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So there's an interesting story that I came across a few days back in TechCrunch that was talking about the fact that Walmart is now offering something called Delivery Unlimited. So this is a really interesting service. If you're somebody who likes to order your groceries online, you now have another option that may be available to you. There are some others out there like uh, Target's Shipped and Amazon Prime, working with Whole Foods and that sort of thing. So the article says Walmart is taking aim at Instacart, Target's Shipped, and Amazon Prime, now Whole Foods with a new grocery delivery subscription service called Simply uh, Delivery uh, Delivery Unlimited. Before, Walmart shoppers could order groceries online and pick them up at their local store for free, or they could opt to pay the $9.95 or some, uh, sometimes less per order delivery fee. Delivery Unlimited is a third, uh, third option that offers consumers a way to skip the pre-order fee in order uh, in favor of a monthly or annual subscription. The retailer is offering a $12.95 per month plan or a $98 per year subscription, both of which include a 15-day free trial. Everything else about the service is the same. You'll still shop online or in the Walmart grocery app, build, uh, build a basket and pick a time slot for your order. There aren't any restrictions on delivery times either. It's just another way to pay for your online orders and one that could potentially save you money uh, if you order groceries online from Walmart more than once per month. At $98 per year, Walmart's delivery and limited service is com- uh, is competitively priced. So kind of as a reference point, if you're not familiar with kind of the grocery delivery, and don't worry, we'll get to why we're talking about grocery delivery here in a moment. Um, but there's a, uh, a service called Shipped, and it says Shipped today charges $99 annually, and Target this week just announced a way for Shipped shoppers to pay a per order fee of $9.99 for the first time with a shipped integration on Target.com. Instacart, meanwhile, cut its annual fee to $99 in November. Prime Now, which is obviously a service by Amazon, is the most expensive option at $119 per year, but of course it includes more than grocery delivery. Prime is a uh, comprehensive benefits program that includes fast-free shipping from Amazon, access to streaming services, etc., etc., Okay, so this one I thought was pretty interesting, and I wanted to highlight it here on the show. Number one, just because it, it is an interesting service issue. If you don't already have groceries that are delivered, it's worth it's worth check, checking out just because it's a nice service. I actually use something locally. Uh, I don't know if these are nationwide or just to Washington State, but I actually use something called Safeway.com on occasion. I don't always get my groceries delivered, but it is handy if you're in a pinch. One of the reasons I wanted to mention this is because there's a lot that we can take away from uh, our own business building uh, perspective, which is that one of one of the things that a lot of big companies have started to realize is that subscriptions are incredibly valuable. 
there is a pretty good chance, uh, or not a good chance, there was, especially early on, that Amazon actually lost money on some or many of their subscribers for Amazon Prime. Now, obviously, if you're a Prime subscriber, you get two-day shipping, and now it looks like you may uh, actually start to be able to get one-day shipping, and it's quote-unquote free. Obviously, it's not free. You pay for it through your subscription. But what a company like Amazon is banking on is that all of those people who don't necessarily use the service as much as everybody else may actually end up subsidizing so-called or paying for all the people who do not. So Walmart's starting to see the see the light, so to speak, on that concept in the sense that they're going to charge you $98 a year to pretty much get unlimited grocery delivery. So no delivery fees uh, as long as you pay for the subscription. So what they're seeing is that there are going to be those uh, those particular customers who are going to use that service more than others. And what that means is that they are going to, uh, in essence, get their money's worth, right? They're going to be able to get more. Uh, they're going to be able to get more kind of bang for their buck. They're probably going to end up spending less. But for those people, people like me, for example, who don't use grocery delivery on a regular basis, we're going to end up actually paying more per year. And what it ends up with, which with most subscriptions, is that the majority, if not a vast number of people who use a particular subscription don't necessarily get the most out of it. One of the things that is nice about the subscription, though, from a customer standpoint, is that it's always there when you need it. It's one of those things that you don't have to worry about tacking on a big shipping charge. And there's actually a little bit of a, there's a mentality that comes along with it as well, is that you kind of forget that you have even paid for. I know I've done this before with Amazon Prime. One of those things where I see, oh, I get free one-day shipping. Well, again, kind of to recap the previous point, it's not that it's free shipping. It's that you, uh, you're you paying for it. Uh, you just don't see that at the time of checkout. So again, you kind of see uh, Walmart jumping on the bandwagon, particularly obviously not competing in this case directly with Prime as a whole, but particularly in the grocery delivery So the reason I wanted to mention this today, obviously, one is it's an interesting story, but two, when it comes to your own business, one of the things that you want to start thinking about and that we've started thinking about very seriously, particularly over at Notable Themes, is working in some sort of subscription-based approach to the way that you do business. So a while back, we actually started incorporating this into Notable Themes in the sense that we used to, when we first started out with Notable Themes, one of the things that we did is we... Uh, we would charge a one-time fee for our themes. But one of the ways that we found that we could offer a whole lot more value is by offering ongoing product updates and upkeep and then ongoing WordPress support. And so we've had a wide variety of customers who have just been thrilled who contact us on a pretty regular basis for help with their website or different things uh, you know, related to WordPress or tips or plugins or anything else that we can help or assist with. And we've just maintained that relationship through a subscription. So it kind of works both ways. Subscriptions are a great way for a business or a company or even a person or individual to maintain a more uh, predictable stream of income while at the same time offering a long-term relationship with customers that ends up helping them out more in the long run. What I am not advocating for is obviously creating a subscription that doesn't continually offer value, right? If you're creating something that you are charging a subscription for that isn't something that you necessarily should, I'm not really a big fan of that. I think that you should be continually offering 
value over time for it to be something that you charge a subscription for. So like, for example, there's people out there I've seen in the past who, you know, offer an online course at like a yearly price. And there's not really anything new or changed about the the actual online course over time. They just kind of charge more for, they just kind of charge a yearly subscription just to keep people kind of stuck in there in order, in, in order to maintain access. Now, if you're continually adding new content or something like that, that I totally understand. Again, it's just kind of offering value, uh, you know, over time rather than a, a one-time thing. So it has to work for a subscription. It has to make sense. So what you might be thinking and what relates to a lot of us as well is what about if the if I offer actual services, right? What if I don't have a product that I sell, you know, to a set of customers? What if it's me working one-on-one for coaching or consulting or, you know, accounting or something like that? And that's where you want to consider something like uh, a retainer or some sort of set of services that you can do over and over again that would help you maintain someone as a customer. One of the biggest challenges I know very well as a free as somebody who used to focus pretty heavily on being a freelancer, that one of the biggest challenges, aside from finishing the work that you're currently doing, is finding new customers. But the whole idea is if you can get five or even ten really good, uh, well-paying customers who enjoy working with you and want to work with you long term, you can get those five to 10 customers and be fine. You don't always have to scramble once you finish one project to get on to the next. So some ways that you can do that, again, is like doing a monthly retainer, uh, finding services that you offer that you could do on a long-term basis. And one of the great things actually is that uh, FreshBooks actually recently uh, integrated a uh, retainer functionality into their software. So there's tools out there that will make it really easy for you to do this. But that's one of the things to to keep in mind. It's really easy for us as freelancers or entrepreneurs or business creators to lose sight of the longevity of what it is that we're creating. And subscriptions are a very practical way to do this. I actually did uh, an interview uh, with an author by the name of Ann Janzer about her book subscription marketing a while back where we dove into some of the concepts, some of the fascinating characteristics of subscriptions and how businesses have been incorporating it. So check out rightly.show if you'd like to uh, hear that particular interview. I know it is kind of a back episode, but you can search over at rightly.show where you should be able to locate that. But again, just interesting things to keep in mind, particularly when it comes to incorporating a subscription-based model into your business. Have a question for the program? Call 844-RIGHTLY to record your question, and we would be happy to consider featuring it in a future episode. That's 844-744-4859 or 844-RIGHTLY. If you would rather write in, feel free to email show at rightlydesigned.com. Okay, so the main thing I wanted to take some time to talk about today was particularly how big brands have been using social media and some of the things that we can take away from that as content creators, as business builders, as independent professionals. So there's a story over in CNBC that's talking about uh, a particular bank startup that is claiming that their logo was ripped off by Facebook. So here's some of the story. It says that fintech uh, CEO claims Facebook ripped off his bank startup logo for his cryptocurrency project. The founder of online bank Current claims Facebook copied his uh, company's logo for the social network's bid to reinvent the global financial system. 
uh, Stuart Sop, a Wall Street uh, trader turned startup C- CB, uh, CEO, told CNBC that he used a San Francisco-based design firm named Character to create his startup's logo in 2016. That firm also worked on a secretive cryptive project that Facebook unveiled this week, according to a LinkedIn post from Ben Pham, creative director at Character. Anthony Harrison, a spokesperson for Facebook, declined for comment on this, uh, but the character de- and Character did not return calls for message for comment. Um, said this is a funny way to try and create trust in a new global financial system by ripping off another fintech firm, Sop said in a phone interview. Facebook all the uh, Facebook has all the money and resources in the world. If they truly wanted to make banking more inclusive and fair, they should have come up with their own ideas and branding like we have. So obviously uh, it's hard to describe a logo over uh, a podcast, but if you'd like to take a look at it, you can head on over to rightly.show slash 81 where you'll be able to see the show notes. But they do, they look very similar to one another. It goes on in the article, which again, I'll leave uh, a link to that in today's show notes. They do look very similar. And so there is some question right now as to whether or not they're actually going to pursue a lawsuit against Facebook. But the reason I wanted to highlight this, which is kind of a springboard into everything else that I wanted to cover today, was the way that they approached it. Right. So it wasn't like they wrote a formal formal letter, um, you know, online and posted it on their site or something like that. They just left a tweet. Right. And we see this more and more among big brands. So it's a tweet from the current uh, account. The name the company name is current and it shows the two logos side by side and their comparison. And so essentially to describe it the best that I can, the. A uh, new service that Facebook is going to be putting out is called Calibra or Calibra, however you pronounce it. And it's right next to Current. And the two logos do look almost identical, except for Facebook's version of called Calibra is just all purple. Whereas the Current has kind of a gradient of, you know, blue, purple, and pink, kind of like the Instagram colors. Um, and then the tweet says, this is what happens when you only have one crayon left. So obviously kind of mocking Facebook, kind of making fun of them. And I've noticed this, again, there's a huge difference between this and the whole idea of, you know, writing a formal letter on your site or, you know, uh, on a new, you know, on a news website or something like that. And so it's one of those things that we've been noticing that have been propping, uh, cropping up probably over the course of the last, I don't know, five, 10 years, so long as brands have been popular on Twitter. So there's a there's an article that kind of highlights a number of these different things. Uh, you may have seen these as well. Uh, a little while back, IHOP decided it was going to change its name from IHOP to IHOB, which ended up being this huge conspiracy because they were going to be instead of the International House of Pancakes, they were going to be the International House of Burgers. And so what we ended up with was a ton of responses on social media, right? So we ended up with uh, a number of different companies were making fun of them. So we ended up with uh, companies like, you know, even McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's is actually a pretty popular one who's been making fun of uh, a lot of different brands and companies out there on the web. But one of the things that I found so interesting about this is that it's such a change from what we saw even 10 years ago. Like the whole idea for corporate brands was to be friendly, was to be inviting, what you see here is a lot of brands trying to mold themselves to kind of fit in with uh, with kind of the social media culture. So one of the thing, one of the words that you'll hear tossed around a lot, you'll hear this with big companies and smaller brands or independent professionals, is this term 
uh, authentic or being, uh, you know, authenticity when it comes to a brand. So one of the things that's really interesting about this is that there's this term that's been cropping up, particularly in the design circles, uh, called de-branding. And so part of the thinking behind what a, n- a number of these bigger companies are doing is that if we start to kind of uh, make our corporate brands feel more personal, if we start, you know, as Wendy's has become really popular for, if we start, you know, trolling, quote unquote, our competitors, or if we start making fun of, you know, the various people, uh, even our customers, then we'll, we'll kind of fit in. So here's like, here's an example of a of two brands online going back and forth on Twitter. So it's Steak Um, which I've never heard of before coming across this tweet, and then Pop-Tarts. Of course, everybody knows what Pop-Tarts are. And so, you know, it starts out with, you know, I think Pop-Tart, like, they tweeted a photo, right? So then Steak Um says, what filter are you using, sis? And then Pop-Tarts comes back and says, no filters, sweeties. And it just kind of goes back and forth like this. It says... You know, Pop-Tarts is like, oh, I love when teens say this. And of course, this all just kind of looks like two teens texting back and forth. And then Steakums, the brand says, same, but I hate when brands say it. And then Pop-Tarts uh, replies, same. And so they just kind of keep going back and forth. And again, it's the whole idea here. And you see Wendy's uh, is particularly uh, notorious for this in the sense that uh they go, they take it a step further and they will actually make fun of the particular people who are tweeting at them. So there is this kind of semi-famous, or this is the one that kind of gets highlighted the most, but there was this, this exchange between a person, some random person on Twitter and the Wendy's account. And so their, uh, their original tweet said, our beef is way too cool to ever be frozen. So, of course, the whole thing with the Wendy's brand is that they never freeze their meat. It's always, you know, refrigerated. So somebody replies back and says, your beef is frozen and we all know it. You all know we laugh at the slogan, fresh, never frozen, right? And so then Wendy's replies and says, sorry to hear you think that, but you're wrong. We've only used fresh beef since we were founded in 1969. And so the person replies and says, so you deliver it raw on a hot truck? (laughs) And then Wendy's replies again and says, where do you store cold things that aren't frozen? And so then the person starts to get semi-mad and says, oh, you guys should give up. McDonald's got you guys beat with their breakfast. Wendy's replies back one last time and says, you don't have to bring them into this just because you forgot refrigerators existed for a second there. So obviously making fun of this person, this is something that, again, 10 years ago would be unheard of. Can you imagine a corporate brand making fun of a potential customer in a public forum? Nobody would have ever imagined that. But again, it's what they're attempting to do here is, and this has been, you know, again, coming back to that point of de-branding what they're trying to do here is they're trying to appeal to people in a more personal way and the reason for this actually comes down to there's a very monetary reason for this and the monetary reason is that more and more every day particularly the average american is inundated it's said that the average american sees upwards of a thousand ads in various forms every single day Now, that spans across the web, that spans across in our own homes, smartphones, social media, billboards, 
television, any medium or format that you're in, you're going to see some sort of brand or advertisement. And because of that, we're growing a lot more uh, resistant to or skeptical of big brands. And so big brands are noticing that. They're seeing that smaller startups and companies that have a person who is at the forefront of them are become, are far more trustworthy. So what they're attempting to do is they're attempting to take their social media accounts and their brands and the way that they offer their products and services and try to put a more humanizing look in front of it. So me personally, I think some of them are funny, but I actually think they're pretty counterproductive. Uh, so I understand that big brands, big companies have massive marketing budgets and tons of research to go behind this. But here's one of the main things I wanted to highlight. Here's why I wanted to bring this up as a topic. The big reason why I wanted to bring it up is because you as an independent creator or as a small business owner have an endless you have an endless advantage over big brands who are doing this. Because what they're having to do is they're having to bend over backwards in an attempt to appear real or appear quote unquote authentic. The great thing about being a small creator is that you are real. You are authentic. The big reason why I'm not really a big fan of the word authentic is because I think it's just kind of shorthand for not being fake, right? It's just not just trying to like not trying to appear like something that you're not. So one of the great advantages we have as small content creators is that we can actually appeal directly to the people, the audience that we want to reach. So if you create, if you've got a blog, people can actually read what you as a person wrote. If you have a, you know, YouTube channel, they can actually see your face. If you have a podcast, they can hear your voice. That is something that gives you an endless amount, an endless advantage over what big brands have and what they do. So one of the things that we've been talking about, particularly in some of the last episodes, has been the importance of uh, making it very clear what you do and what makes you unique, the way that you offer it. And that is, in effect, your brand. It is the promise that you're going to make to your target customers and to the people that you're trying to reach. So what I wanted to kind of highlight and underscore here, again, a little bit of a, a shorter episode today, but I just wanted to highlight this as a fundamental point when it comes to building your business, is that it is so vital to make sure that whatever it is that you're doing, that it is A, it's real, it's you, B, it's unique, and that C, it's succinctly described and cleared to your customers. They should know that you know, if, if I hear your name, I know that you're going to do this and you're going to be able to do it this way, right? So that is a huge advantage. Part of, part of the problems and actually one of the ways that a lot of the social media stuff could backfire on a lot of these brands is that many of them have spent, oh, some of them hundreds of years, some of them go back over a hundred years, building an expectation in the minds of their customers. And if they go through uh, you know, a phase of, you know, taunting or making fun of customers just to to drive up a few, you know, short-term metrics. You could literally be undoing a brand that has come, come to be known and trusted for a particular thing uh, for however many years. So that's one of the things that we want to keep in mind. We want to be very, you know, being very personal with your customers, with your brand is is a great uh, is an excellent way not only to build trust with people, but also to keep uh, the, the work that you do in the forefront of the people that you're trying to reach. So one of the questions that you might be having, and it, this depends upon the type of the business that you run, is, well, what about if I, do, if I don't have a personal brand? What if I'm running an actual quote-unquote corporate brand, but it's a smaller business, right? Because 
I have two of them, right? I have Rightly and Company, and I have Notable Themes. And I think the best way that you can do this, and we've highlighted this in some ways in the past, is through the ways that you create content and the the kind of brand touch points, as they're known. Things that you provide for free or value to the people you're trying to reach. Those are the ways that you can make a personal connection. So you can still have a corporate quote-unquote brand, but it's really important that you become synonymous with the work that you're doing through that. So again, not only in like the content that we've already highlighted before, but also things like webinars and workshops and teaching and anything that you can do to offer value to the people you're trying to reach to the point where you become synonymous with that brand and kind of vice versa. So that once you start to build that brand up, they know that they can, since you're there, they can start to come to know and expect that type of work that you provide through that. One of the advantages there as well, if you are running a quote unquote corporate brand, is that as you start to build that that trust through the promise that you're offering to your target customers, eventually you can reach the point where you can pass that off, right? You can actually hire a CEO, you can hire a person or a manager who embodies the same values and work ethic that you do so that once so that people can start to you know, know and trust that particular brand. Okay, so those are some of the things I wanted to touch on today. Again, no, kind of a shorter episode today. Really interesting just to see that trend. Always feel free to let me know your thoughts as well. If you'd like to head on over to rightly.show slash question, you can always leave a comment or a question. We'd always be happy to hear from you. Also, one of the things that I wanted to mention as well on this episode, and this is a completely different topic to something that I think would be of value, I know people have asked me in the past, how do you create those little short links on your show where you go rightly.show slash 81? So I actually put together a video tutorial that shows you exactly how I do this. And we put this over uh, over on Rightly TV, which you can go to, you can find over at rightly.tv or rightlytv.com. Make sure you subscribe over there as well because we're always coming out with pretty much every week, coming out with a new video that shows you some sort of tool or tactic or tutorial things that are a little bit more difficult to describe over audio, so we do them particularly over on video. But again, if you're finding the Rightly Show useful, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We always do appreciate it. Until next time, go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing.